Welcome to a new season of Retrain Your Brain with me, Dr. Audrey Tang. I'm a chartered psychologist and a trainer, and I specialize in giving you simple, accessible, practical tools to achieve everything you want out of life. And in this season, I am thrilled to introduce to you many guest experts whom I've had the pleasure of learning from, and I hope that you will benefit from their expertise too. I am of the belief that we may at some point need medical intervention in our lives, but the same is not necessarily true of psychological therapy. And even if we do, because yes, sometimes understanding trauma may be a way of minimizing its effects, that therapy may not be fit for our purpose. And this might be due to a lack of access or even accessibility to cater for different cultural needs. But sometimes you don't need to talk. You just need guidance or headspace. And research by the Springtide Institute found that 51% of its population of 13 to 25 year olds do engage in tarot cards or fortune telling. And a 2021 report found a surge in 18 to 25 year olds seeking spiritual guidance to deal with the challenges of uncertain times. And as such, I am so grateful to our next guest, Fingal of the Wellness Foundry, to burst some myths about tarot and energy reading and intuitive work and really explain what it entails. Welcome to the show, Fingal. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's my pleasure to have you here because I love your site. It's the Wellness Foundry and we do have the links on our Facebook page because With your Instagram posts, with your social media posts, you are very clear about the boundaries of your profession. And I wanted to ask, first of all, your advice on what we need to be mindful of if we're visiting a reader or an energy healer for the first time. Because as with coaching and psychology, there's not necessarily clear regulations, Mm -hmm. although it is getting better in all our professions. But I wanted to sort of approach it from that angle first, just because when we are looking for support, we don't always know where to turn. I, I love the fact that you're taking this from the bit myth-busting angle uh, to, to begin with, because there are so many misconceptions. Um, you know, tarot and, and intuitive work really used to be seen as end of the pier, kind of um, draped in purple velvet, you know. Yes. Um, you'd, you'd put the coin in the machine and it would spit out the, the piece of guidance of ours. Um, and it's so it's so much deeper than that. One of the one of the attitudes to go into a kind of uh, spiritual reading or intuitive reading is um, just to be open, not to go in with too many expectations, because as soon as we do, um, it tends to kind of close down or limit the breadth of the information that can come through. The other thing that is really important to stress from the get-go is that even though you might go to a reading and not necessarily be talking, it is still a bit of a communication. It's still a conversation of sorts. So if you imagine if you're at a party and uh, you start talking to somebody at the party and they kind of give you one word answers and they're a bit standoffish you wouldn't really spend a lot of time trying to kind of engage with them you think okay then this isn't working out and then you'd move on the same is true of a reading if you come and you're quite closed down and quite blocked and um it's not necessarily even the words you say but if you're yes it's absolutely fine to have some apprehension and nervousness that can be quite healthy but if you're not, if you're willfully not giving much, and if you're willfully being slightly, um, I don't want to say defensive, but if you're if you're slightly holding back, shall we say, then that does interrupt 
that exchange, that energetic exchange, much like a conversation would have happen at a party, as I say. The other thing just to really stress is that the tarot and intuitive practices act like a mirror. So it's not as the number one misconception about this work. It's not about fortune telling. This isn't about telling you what's going to happen. The thing that I say at the beginning of all my readings is the future isn't fixed. It's always dependent on the actions, decisions, beliefs that we have playing out in the present moment. So anything we ever say, you can change. You can go, that's not what I want in my life. Okay, that's really helpful because I want to move it in a different direction. The way that I describe it, it's not the best analogy, but it's the, the, the analogy I've kind of stumbled across is um, if you go to the gym every day, you're going to get fit. That's not prediction. That's not fortune telling. It's just a natural result to the causality. Yes. The other thing, and it is quite interesting that you were saying about the, it being unregulated. Part of the issue that we face as people that are working in this sphere is we still have to label ourselves as entertainment, kind of legally, and even from a kind of insurance perspective and from a banking perspective. And I've had this kind of firsthand is that um, a company, a credit card company that I was working with closed my business account because I was working in this sphere. So it's quite, in, it, you know, there's, we're very progressive in lots of ways, but we're still, you know, 40, 50, 60 years behind in many other ways. And until there's actually a kind of governmental shift or a, a kind of legal shift in that respect, it can't be regulated. So it's not that we don't want to be, because sure. I think that would be a very good thing. It's just the way that the bureaucracy is set up at the moment, we can't be. That's really sad to hear in so many mm. ways, because I sort of sit there and say, well, in in a similar vein, what you're talking about when you're talking about being blocked, being defensive, that's the same struggle I face when I see clients. If they're not going to explore what they've come here to explore, then nothing actually will get done. And so I... I I do struggle to see the differences. The only thing is, I guess you draw from a different learning from the one that I draw. And at the end of the day, I know, for example, depression. That's just something that a lot of us may go and seek help for. There is a school of thought now that believes that depression is an ambulatory issue, which means that they're trying to get people who suffer from depression out and moving and doing more exercise. It's just a different approach to finding the space and finding the the thinking time that you need. A good uh, psychic tarot reader medium will never tell you what to do. They will present to you the options that you have. So what's really, really great, what's really reassuring for me is when somebody comes out of a reading thinking, I was thinking all of those things, but it's just so nice to have them reflected back to me. So many times thinking, oh, I just thought that was um, me thinking on a whim or a flight of fancy, or maybe um, I was kind of overanalyzing. And there's, there's maybe a project they've wanted to work on for ages, but they didn't quite have the confidence and thinking, oh, I'm just making this up. And then the level of reassurance that they feel when that's being reflected back to them and saying, no, you've got these talents, you've got these strengths. It can be, it can really buoy up their confidence and their belief in themselves. When people really are at crossroads as well, feeling really stuck between two choices, again, a good 
reader will always say, okay, let's look at option A, the energy around option A, and let's look at the energy around option B. So they, again, it's not about prediction, it's about empowerment, making people feel as though they have choices, but also can be very, very helpful in a reading because we can both look at the macro, what's going on in a, a kind of broader sense in somebody's life, but also the minutiae. I often describe uh, a reading a bit like an x-ray. Um, so you go for an x-ray and um, the doctor might say, okay, you've got a small fracture in your collarbone. We think the prognosis is that you should have that reset. With the expert advice of anybody, you always keep your own counsel. So you have every single right to go, no, I want to leave it. I want to see if it gets better on itself. And then, the, and I would sit there and go, absolutely fine. You do that. We're just presenting options about ways out of situations. And I think that that sometimes can be a little bit of a crunching point for clients because they, they sometimes come with the misconception that we're going to tell you what to do. But that isn't useful. That is not helpful. That creates dependency. Yes, yes, that's exactly the same with the coaching profession, with the therapeutic profession. And in so many ways, it is about opening a client's eyes to the opportunities and the options that are there. But then it's got to be that person's choice as to what they do with the work, which kind of leads me in a way to my next question. And and this will be helpful for the coaching clients as well. How do we then work most effectively with the the things that we have learned. I mean, I guess I know I would go away from a coaching session. I've had a reading with yourself as well, with, with one of your team. And I have been able to go away and actually reflect on that. And it's given me that space. And both coaching and both and the reading gave me that same space to think and to weigh up different options. So that's how I chose to work with it. But are there different ways that we can go away and really think about what we've heard or what we've learned. I'm, I'm so thankful for you to bring this point up because um, very often my clients will say at the end of the reading, when should I book in another reading with you? And uh, the, my answer will be twofold. It will be one, well, once you've got more questions about actually where am I going? What help do I need? What assistance? Da, 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 da. But the other thing is really around, well, when you action the advice that is given. Now, this is so, so key um, because sometimes uh, clients can misconceive the idea of a, of a reading again about this. We're going to tell you what to do and somehow it's going to magically shift the things that are happening and that is not correct you um because we're giving you options it has to be you have to be willful you have to be a willful participant in that message and that guidance and actually enact it the thing that so often holds people back from healing because we're talking kind of healing in a broader sense um is about enacting change. Healing cannot happen without change. And you have to, and that's often, it's the fear. Very often it's about the fear of stability, security, often money. Mm. Oh, I, I really dislike my job. It's making me miserable. I really don't feel as though I'm living to my highest potential. Okay, well, why don't you move to this area of your life? Um, or move to this profession oh no but I can't do that because of and I get it I absolutely get mm. it I um I've walked I've talked I've talked the talk but I've also walked the walk because I I used to work in I used to work in fashion um and I was uh, the job that I had just before the wellness foundry was very very well paid 
and then I started the Wellness Foundry and the first year was a real real struggle I was setting up a new business I was worried how am I going to pay rent all of those things but it's I don't really like the word rewards but it's the healing and the integration that comes with being uh, the bravery and the courage that comes with making the changes part of reason that spiritual intuitive readings and the tarot have become so popular is because lockdown forced many many people um, to sit and reflect and to be with their own experiences to identify what in their life was working and what isn't working and there was this great surge and it was very very difficult for a lot of people Um, But one of the boons that did come out of that is it did force the whole world to reflect. Now, Fingal, tell me a little bit more about intuition work, because that's an area that I haven't heard as much about. I have heard both the myths and now, of course, you've set those myths straight about tarot and energy work. But intuition is something a little different. Intuition, the word intuition gets a bit um, gets a bit misconceived at times. Um, and a lot of people associate it with premonition. Now that is part of intuition. You know, I've had um, dreams that have come true, and I'm sure there's many, many the great thing about working in this uh, sphere is every time I talk to people, even the greatest empiricists that don't, you know, can boo-boo the whole thing, every single one of them will have a story to tell of, oh, I had this really strange, I had this really strange experience yeah. with this dream coach. Um, so it is partly about premonition, but it's mainly the point of intuition is that it's a sense of something isn't right in our lives and it needs to change that is that is true intuition at its best of I don't like this situation this immediate situation it might be all I'm not getting the best vibe from this person best just to pull away or it can be as I I said before about the job situation your intuition is screaming out this isn't the job for you this isn't the job for you but because of the kind of again the worldly things we slightly push that to one side And when people say to me, oh, how do I strengthen my intuition? How do I connect with my intuition? It's always act on the advice you give. Even if later on, you could turn around and go, oh, I got that wrong. Oh, that really blew up in my face. At least you're building a bank of experience in which to refer to later. And go, okay, that it didn't quite work that way. So what was wrong? Okay, it's because I I misread that situation. Okay, I'll take that forward for next time. But it's the number, if you don't trust your intuition, it's effectively you don't trust yourself. And self-development and intuitive development go hand in glove. Some of the practices or the exercises I give are to almost get in tune with your gut feelings. It's it's yes. thinking about where you feel emotions and that can help us because if you can think of a positive experience and you feel that confidence in your head, then for example, if you're just walking around a shop and deciding whether to buy something, if you're feeling it in your gut, you probably don't want to buy it just yet. It's that kind of thing, sort of attuning to our own body. And I really like your point about acting on that instinct, acting on that feeling, Uh, not just because nature has created us to survive. So instinct may not be a bad thing, but there's a wonderful coach as well called uh, Mel Robbins, who says you've got about five seconds between the time you have this great idea and between the time you actually give up on that great idea. And you need to capitalize sometimes on those five seconds. I guess, yeah, I, I was going to ask you if you could give me an example of some of your 
uh, ways of encouraging clients to maybe get in touch with their intuition? Again, and quite rightly, in schools we're taught how to think, but we're not necessarily taught how to intuit. Yes. And it's such a shame because it's an amazing, amazing skill and it's innate in all of us. This is not accessible only to psychics and people that read the time. Everybody has an intuitive ability. You think about those times that you've walked into a room and two people are in the room and you think, oh, gosh, you could cut the tension with the knife. They're not saying anything. They're not even doing anything. But that's your intuitive sense picking up on what's going on on the external. The problem is (laughs) so often people look for rationality for for what their intuition is giving with their mind. So they're looking for rational um, affirmation behind the information Mm. and you're not going to find it. That's the point. Yes. Because again, going back to the job example, on the surface, you think it's paying you a really good wage. It's giving you stability. Your colleagues are perfectly comfortable and nice. You're being offered another promotion. But there's something inside that's going, no, you don't. You hate this job. It's mm. not right for you. You're miserable. Da, da, da. And But rationally, we can't find the causality as, as to why. And very often we don't need to we just need to act on what our intuitive instinct is giving us the other thing that i often say is intuition will very often be quite a gentle nudging whereas fear or the ego or a rational sense will probably be very loud and then die out quite quickly so look out for those things that it doesn't whatever you seem to do it still seems to just kind of tap and nudge the thing is with intuition unlike anything else is it's, it is by nature quite quiet. Yes. Um, this is the problem. Our minds are very loud. They, they kind of dominate uh, pretty much everything. Our intuition is much more quiet. So it doesn't have to be meditation. Meditation mm. is probably by far one of the best ways, but mm. I know that meditation doesn't always suit everybody. Yes. And, you know, they find it difficult, but it's about cultivating stillness throughout the day. And that could literally be two minutes sitting with a cup of tea. It's that thing of your best ideas drop in when you're in the shower. Yeah. Because your conscious mind is just slightly put to one side and your subconscious mind, which uh, is deeply interlinked with your intuition, has been given space. So that is the number one thing. Create stillness, create quiet throughout your day. And it can be as little as two minutes. The other thing that I would say, and this sounds a bit bizarre, and a bit odd so bear with me um but it's this thing of if you go out for your usual walk and mm. um, it's really simple really practical there's two things one is you can just look up as you go so obviously you have to you know be sensible and be aware of your surroundings but as much as you can look up at the top of the buildings now why I say that is because intuition is so much about awareness and we can so often go on autopilot So as soon as we go for a walk and we start actively trying to become aware of our surroundings, we're bringing, we're cultivating that sense of awareness in ourselves. So that's number one. The other thing to do, um, suggestion, is to think of an object that you're going to look out throughout the day. So that might be a red car, it might be feathers, it might be words beginning with the letter K, whatever that might be. Feathers is the one that I like to do. And then just see how many you spot throughout your day. Again, that's about cultivating the awareness, but it's also, I like to call them God's breadcrumbs. It's the little nudges from the universe of going, you're on the right path. This is what you're meant to be doing. That's really beautiful that's really very beautiful and I I can see that also brings a sense of comfort in a way absolutely but 
really what you're saying is just let's get more aware. Let's focus. Let's see what's going on around us a little bit more because that is where we find answers. The other thing is that a lot of a lot of the time people can see intuition as a passive thing, as though it's um, it's it's information that's going to be delivered to us. Mm-hmm. And actually, intuition has to be an active thing as well. So don't forget to ask. Just literally set that intention. Of, what does my intuition have to say about this? What does my intuition have to say about this situation? About this person? About this crossroads? About this frustration? Because so often we just forget to ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. Actually, what do I what do I sense with this? And just by taking that little moment, so often the answer can come to us. But again, because we're you know usually harassed by activities and busyness, we just slightly go on autopilot and we don't give intuition the space that it needs. So just setting that intention of hmm, I wonder, just taking that beat, just going in and asking. I like to say, take your elevator down from your head to your heart or the elevator down from your head to your belly. It's a really nice way, I think, get out of your head, sit in your heart. There's one uh, thing that my friend used to always say, and I I think this is brilliant, was more of a spiritual teacher. He says, um, particularly in the West, we're like dragon heads on snake bodies. We've become so cerebral, which is, you know, great in many, many ways. It's led to much advancement, many ideas but we're slightly disconnecting from what our head and our, um, from what our heart and our belly has to say. And there's such vital information. And I know that a lot of science is now looking at the stomach being the second brain, yep. and all of this stuff. So, yeah. Yes. And actually just to stay on this just for one more moment, because this can also be used protectively as well. So the way you're describing it is very positive and that's lovely, but sometimes you deal with people who, are maybe in a relationship they're missing what we would term I guess red flags and that's because they're so desperate for the positive side and they can see all the lovely side and that's great because they're a kind and positive person but sometimes it is about asking our intuition well how am I really feeling here is is this really how I want to be treated is this really appropriate so it can be used both ways can't it for the positive but also for protective measures 100% and this is again slightly goes back to some of the misconceptions about tarot and intuitive readings is oh I don't want to hear bad things are going to happen and what I love about the tarot particularly um, is that it doesn't shy away from some of the challenges or some of the more difficult things but as a reader we will always deliver that in a way of okay there's this tough period may be coming up but this is how you navigate it or there's this tough a period coming up here are your options we wouldn't ever kind of sit there and go oh um yeah you're going to lose your job you're going to judge it again that falls into prediction and it's not empowering at all but you're absolutely 100 right is um it is that it goes back to that thing about healing requires change and so often yes. in the relationships they go oh no i want to stay in this is a comfort even though intuitively they know everything's screaming out no this isn't right for you and what happens and i'm talking from a personal um account here when we don't listen to that for long enough the impact happens mentally emotionally physically spiritually and very often we get ill because dis-ease is is around and usually not always usually the last line of defense or the last line um, that the body has the energetic body is 
to show itself in a physical ailment. Yes, yes. This is, it's been absolutely wonderful to speak with you, Fingal. Thank you so much. Now, I know you do retreats. I know you do readings. Where can we find out more about you and maybe join uh, one of your retreats or, or similar? Great. Um, so I'm mainly prevalent on Instagram. So it's at Wellness Foundry, but there's also the website, which is www.wellnessfoundry.co.uk. And that's all we have time for. But do check out some of the earlier episodes for 10 Minutes on My Couch with more practical tips or else my YouTube channel, Dr. Dutang Tools to Thrive. And you can catch more guest experts on my radio show on NLive Radio, which is the Wellbeing Lounge, Tuesday nights at 9pm.